lane, 15-10, touchdown Chargers! What's up guys, we're back with a week 8 edition of Chargers Weekly, as always joined by Matt Money-Smith, Chargers trying to look ahead here, Sunday Night Football against the Chicago Bears, coming off yet another loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, and Money, we're taping this on a Thursday. Uh, there's been so much dialogue about this game from the time it ended to, to present. I don't know how much you want to dig into it, but well, you know, I, I could just kind of quickly put a button on it on my end and, and let you go. Like the, the offense was good in the first half; they weren't in the second. The defense was not good in the first half; they were better in the second. Special teams uh, had a miscue with the McCall Hardman uh, punt return and. Just the complimentary football was off, man, and, and usually we're, we're used to seeing one-possession football games against the Kansas City Chiefs. This was not. It was close. You know, it was close, and that's when, when you think back to last year, you know, starting last year, that's just we haven't seen it. We, we have not seen that type of punt return in, in a long time, you know, and so it just unfortunately came at the wrong moment, and that's how you end up getting the the two score game. Otherwise, you know that thing was a one score game the entire second half. The yeah. the defense had finally bowed up, and it was a very odd game in that the offense traded punches, you know, with the Chiefs possession for possession. They go field goal, Chargers field goal. They go touchdown, Chargers go touchdown. They go touchdown, Chargers go touchdown, and then. At the end of the first, and it just goes to show you, I think it's such a good reminder of of like how hard it is to beat the Chiefs. You know, the Chargers get that interception, and they're moving. And it's like, okay, here we go. Now you can take a lead. Now you can really put your foot on the gas. And pass goes through Keenan's hands that would have put him into plus territory. We never see that, right? He's on that mm-hmm. crosser right in the middle. That thing's going to be a gain of about 20. Puts you at about the Chiefs' 45. Herbert takes a terrible sack, you know, and it's just like those two plays. That's all it took. And then Gerald Everett, you credit, you know, McDuffie, nearly got away from him at the right sideline to pick up that first down on that third and 16 or 18, whatever it was, but just couldn't quite get away from him. And now you punt it away. And now the Chiefs come down. And I thought that was... Look, it was a very frustrating first half for the defense. You could see it in their body language, on their face. They did not – I don't think they liked the way they were playing. Mm-hmm. And by that, obviously, they didn't like giving up 24 points in the first half. But, I mean, I don't think they liked the style of defense they were playing. I think there was a lot of communication issues, guys that were handing off you know, receivers to nobody and not quite sure where they were supposed to be. And I thought that drive – was sort of the exclamation point. And, and I bring it up because I do think it played into how they played the second half. I think at the end of that drive where Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets this 28-yard up the right sideline play, and again, it's just like nobody's covering him. They pin him all the way back at the four, and the very next play is 37 yards right sideline, wide open. And I think you combine all the plays on that drive – you know, Kelsey for 15, wide open. And then somehow, Eric Kendricks, who has really struggled in coverage this year, finds himself on Kelsey in the red zone, commits the penalty in the end zone. I mean, he never had a chance. That thing was dead to rights from the second the ball was snapped and Kendricks is playing Kelsey and trying to keep up with him. And they score the touchdown. 
And I don't know. I'm not in the locker room, Chris. But I think that was like a last straw. And I think you very well could have had some players on that defense go enough. Yeah. We're let, enough. You know, Mikey, and you, you heard the way he sounded after the game. I think he's like, I'm playing press. I'm pressing my guy. And I think Derwin said, I'm playing Kelsey, and I'm pressing him. And where he goes, I go. And you saw that in the second half. And I think that's why it's important to rehash that game because I do think you've got player equity in this defense. I'm Derwin James. I'm tired of being hung out to dry. I'm going to go and freaking attack this thing. And, and I think you saw that specifically from those two guys. From, from Davis and from Derwin. And you saw what was soft coverage become press man and a lot more two-man where they're still playing with their too high, but now you're pressing a- along the line of, of scrimmage and you're making guys work for it, and it worked. And I think Coach Staley acknowledged that after the game. Like, hey, we learned some things. Move, and I do believe, I don't want to speak, maybe it's just hopeful for me, but I do think he said moving forward. And so I'm hopeful that with the style of play that Derwin can play with, that Mikey can play with. And look, for Mikey, he's a free agent at the end of this year, Chris. He's he's not a former first-round pick that everybody has their fan base, knows who he is, and, oh, hey, we're going to go sign – you know. So I think there's something there. Like, hey, I got to put up numbers. If I'm going into free agency and maybe the Chargers are looking to draft a corner in the first round or whatever, you know, however that whole thing shakes out – I can't be the guy on tape that's given Tyree Kill and, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and all, you know, and, and C.D. Lamb, 10 yards of coverage because that's not my game. Yeah. You know, my game is I'm 6'3", and I'm going to bust you up at the line of scrimmage, and I'm going to be able to stick with you hip for hip. And we've, we saw that last year, and I think that's something that I'm keeping an eye on in this game against the Bears, especially the way that they're playing with Tyson Bajan. So I, I, there's a lot of pride in that locker room too, and frankly, yeah. they're just they're sick of losing to the Kansas City Chiefs because it happens every year. And w- what I found, you know, kind of hard to understand in that first half is this is a divisional opponent that you have played close, and when I say close, I mean like multiple lead changes in the fourth quarter, close, um, on the verge of winning football games against the you know defending Super Bowl champions. So when you and DJ are in the booth, like, like, what are you seeing in that first half? Because that, like, you know who Travis Kelsey is. You know who Patrick Mahomes is. And it, it just seems like that wasn't the Chargers defense that we are used to seeing against this no. team. And, and I just, I don't understand how it looked like that in the first half. And then it looked so drastically different in the second half. Like, I just... How how is Travis Kelsey setting a career high in receiving yards in the first half of that game? How is Patrick Mahomes throwing for 300 yards in the first half yeah. against his secondary? I mean, this is a divisional opponent. When you play a divisional opponent, you guys, you know the style of fight. Yeah. And and it, it just seemed like the first half, this was like a, a team they had not seen before. It's a it's a great observation, Chris. And, and you, you're... Your tone is what our tone was, uh, a tone of confusion of what you know Travis Kelsey is always going to find the soft spot. He is so good at it. And I know they pushed – I know Coach pushed back, and we talked to Tom Telesco a little bit earlier, and 
I wanted him to explain to people that were listening to the 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 show with with Petros and and me and 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 he said, look, it wasn't all zone. It's 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 a matchup zone. So there's man concepts, and I and I just said, I get it, I get that, but it's still a zone where you're. Yes, it's a matchup zone. You're passing someone off to someone else, and there's nobody there. Like whatever it is that you're trying to do is not happening. It hasn't happened all year, and so for me, and and I am. I am, they will, they have forgotten more things than I will ever know about the game of football. I acknowledge that. And I have the, the, I have the vantage point and I have the ability to watch replay and see what should have happened. So I'm not pretending like I've got the answers, but I'm simply saying for me, with Khalil Mack having seven sacks, with Thule leading all rookies in pressures, with Joey Bosa, with Morgan Fox, who was going for his fifth straight game with at least one sack, I'm gonna cut my front four loose, and I'm gonna I'm gonna trust them to get home, and I'm gonna play. If you want to play safe and take the top off or, or and protect the top with umbrella, play your two safeties high, you know, and then I'm gonna press because I believe they're gonna get home. I believe Thule and Morgan and Joey and Khalil are gonna get home. And then I can have, I can send those four and I can have seven guys back. And I, and if I'm pressing and knocking these guys off routes, we, like you said, the chargers have played them enough. You know, the rules, you can't get too high up the field against Mahomes and allow him to break contain and break the edge, set the edge, keep him in the pocket. Don't let him run and play some press, and let's force him to throw it somewhere else. And they just didn't do it. And I mean, I think it was 20 of 21, I think is what he was, 20 for 21. I don't remember exactly what the first half was, but I think that was it. Yeah, he ended up being 32 for 424, four touchdowns. Yeah, I think it was 20 for 21 for over 300 yards in the first half. Travis Kelsey had 10 targets for 10 10 receptions on 10 targets um, for like 100 and – 143 or something like that. Yeah, 139 yards or 143 so yards, something like that in the in the first half. But you know, so, go ahead. So my thing is, let's adjust after the second possession. Let's, you know, and so we we continued to be surprised, and I think it was great to see the adjustment in the second half because look, you're constantly trying to figure it out. It's chess, you know, basketball. And baseball are checkers. They just are. Football is chess. And you are trying to... It does not take much to go wrong. And in watching that game, I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes found something with the middle of the field, and specifically number six. I think they found something. And they just kept going back to it over and over and over and over. And they made the adjustment in the second half, and... They allowed 100 yards and seven points. And let's hope that carries over now to this week. Yeah. You know, you know another development over the last three games um, that has not been positive that needs to change is the offense in the second half. They didn't score any points against the Chiefs or the Raiders, two divisional opponents in the second right. half of those games. Ten points against the Cowboys. Um, there's a combination of things going on right now offensively with, with Justin's finger to the lack of Mike Williams and Corey Lindsley. Um, 
Austin Eckler just coming back from injury. Um, Slater's ankle. Slater's ankle. Um, that's a big one. That's that's a huge one. It's a huge that's one. A and big and one. also just, you know, the the young guards, you know, maybe there's some growing pains going on there. You know, when you when you have Chris Jones on the other side too, it's it's something where you have to take that into account. But offensively, yeah. money, as, as we look at the injury report, Gerald Ever got hurt in that game. Uh, Joshua Palmer was a DNP in practice on Wednesday. Um, you know, we talked so much about Quentin Johnson last week, just two targets, one catch for 20 yards. So what what is this offense going to look like on Sunday night against the Bears? And, you know, I, I put something out uh, on Twitter. Like the, the last three weeks, they've been really good on defense. They've allowed just 14.6 points a game. I know it was against the Commanders and against the yeah. Raiders and against the Vikings, but the, the Chargers barely beat the Vikings, and it took a possession – to, to seal it against the Raiders and the commanders have had up and down performances offensively this year. So their defense is playing better and they have this rookie quarterback. And I, when you don't have a ton of tape on a guy, I think it makes it a little bit more, uh, I wouldn't say difficult, but you have to kind of leave it up to the imagination on what he's going to provide for them. Well, I think number one, I am very hopeful that we see what we saw in the second half. I cannot imagine playing a soft zone against and providing cushion to Bajan. That's the one thing. I know it's only a game and a half, but that ball is out. Quick. And it is short, quick throws. He is not holding on to the ball. He is not pushing it downfield. It is short, quick throws. His, his average, I'm looking at it right now, his average uh, per attempt is 5.7. It's nothing. So you got to press. You, you have got to be up on the line of scrimmage. Do not let DJ Moore get a bunch of these quick throws. Yak, he's a really good yards after catch receiver. We've already seen Justin Jefferson go for 148. Tyree Kill, 215. CeeDee Lamb, 117. Travis Kelsey, 179. There's one guy that I do not want to see beat the, the Chargers in this game, and that's DJ Moore, who right now has 51 targets. Uh, the next highest is 32 for the tight end, Komet. I mean, Mooney has got less than one half of the targets that Moore has. 40 catches, 636 yards, and five touchdowns. 13 explosive plays. Get uh, Mikey Davis on him, jam him, and force Bajent to get uncomfortable in the pocket because you got Thule. Like I said, you've got that defensive line, and that's, that's what I'd like to see. I want to see Khalil, Thule, Bosa, and, and at the same time. That's what I would love to see those guys out there. They have created incredible opportunities for each other when they're out there. And so I'd like to see that be predominantly what they're working on the defensive line. I want to see these guys up on the line of scrimmage, the secondary players, because Bajent wants that ball out. And that's what he did at Shepard. You know, I was talking to Tom Telesco about him, and he's like, oh, we scouted him. We liked him a lot. You know, and he ended up playing in the Super Bowl, and everybody that was at the at the I'm sorry, the Senior Bowl, and everybody that was at the Senior Bowl talked about how much they liked him. So, you know, they they know they they, they actually did some work on Bajan. Now, you know, did did the entire defensive coaching staff? No, like they've got to catch up. But at least, and we know how much Brandon invests in the draft. You know, he was the guy that that was really you know puffing his chest out about Quentin. So we know that he's invested. You know, and and he is is part of this process. And he said, "Yes, I watched a lot of of Bajan. So at least there's that, right? That, that these coaches, specifically Brandon, our head coach, you know, is very 
you know, is, is very invested in the draft. So he's got a lot of agent tape that he's watched already and I think knows. Okay, this is a guy that's bang, bang. Snap, three-step, boom, gone. So you got to play press and force those first reads and those hot reads to not be there. Offensively, I, you know, Chris, I wish I had an answer. You know, the defense has been getting gashed for the most part all season long. You know, the offense has had these games, like the running game against Miami, the passing game against Minnesota, the first half all around against the Chiefs and the Raiders. And like, like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the offense. I just, I can't figure it out. And I'm sure it's frustrating for Kellen Moore where you have a first half like you have against Kansas City and then you can't get anything going in the second half. And it's punt, punt, turnover, punt. Like it's, you know, three and out, three and out. Yeah, three and out where you ran the ball three straight times. Like it's, and you got Justin Herbert as your quarterback. Like it is a very strange time to try to figure out what's going on with the offense. Well, money, one of your keys to potential victory against the Chiefs was to get Austin Eckler involved in the, in the passing game. Uh, one catch, one yard, two targets. Uh, I know he, he was out of the game for a little bit, but he still had 14 carries, 45 yards. Austin hasn't seen like Austin Eckler since he's been back. And I, I, I continue to be a little confused about the Quentin Johnson thing, man. Like just two, two targets. Um, if Joshua Palmer is limited yeah. or does not play in this game and Gerald Everett's out, you have no choice. <laughs> Quentin right. Johnson's going to have to be so, a part of this thing. I think, you know, it, it It hit me when I was, and I think it was Popper that asked the question. He had, because I can't imagine any other of the writers having asked the question, but he specifically, after the game, brought up what was a critical miss on third down um, to Keenan, where Willie Gay got his hands on it and popped it up in the air. And, and Popper had mentioned, hey, I see it. You know, it's a right-to-left progression. He gets to Keenan, and Keenan's flashing open, so he cuts it loose, and there's Gay reading the, reading the play and gets his hands up and, and knocks it incomplete. But if he goes one more, there's Quinton on that quick slant, you know, a, a, a QJ special that, you know, that he, that he ran repeatedly at TCU and really was kind of his – was his calling card, right? These quick slants that he's he's a yak monster and he's just going to turn a 5-yard slant into a 30-yard gain and and it was it flashed wide open and and coach Staley's answer was basically yes. You know, he was excited even a little bit. He's like, "Yeah, you you read it exactly right. It's a right to left progression and when Justin got to Keenan, he sees he's open and he makes that pass, you know, because it looks like it's going to be a completion." So my takeaway from that is and again, I'm, I, I want to make sure I qualify these. I'm not out there. The, the, the bodies have not been on, in my lap the entire game, but I'm just going back to 2020 and how comfortable he was with the worst offensive line that we have seen since the Chargers, you know, had, that, yeah. that the Chargers have had since 2017. 2020 was the worst offensive line that he was under pressure every snap, and yet he would still work through all of his progressions. Just because he knew, okay, I know, I know it's a it's a three man route, and I know what that third man's got. So let me just take a peek. I know Keenan's flashing open, but let me take a peek because I like that matchup. It's one on one. Quinton's got the inside. Does he get inside? You know, can can he force that corner to not get inside leverage and pop this thing? Because the pocket hadn't collapsed yet. It's clean. 
And I bring it up because, like, to me, that was the issue with the Joe Lombardi offense is it was, here's your route map. As soon as you see somebody open, ball's out. That's the Drew Brees. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna bang, bang, bang. Okay, open, go. And it's only four air yards, and, and it's a six-yard completion. Like, I want to get back to that. You know what? I'm going to hold it. I'm going to roll out if I got to because I think my guys are going to win. And, and let's go win. And, like, that's what Patrick Mahomes was doing. You know, he was just hanging. And he has that rep, you know, that relationship with his receivers where they're like, oh, he's going he's gonna to break free. And we're going to, you know, this thing's going to go from six yards to, to 30. And, like, I just want him to stop going, you know, here's my progression. One, no. Two, yes, let's go. I want it to be, okay, the pocket's clean. Let's take a peek at three. Let's see what it looks like. And there it is. He's got the inside. Let's hit him, and let's just see if he can go. And so I think it's residual from the last two years under Joe Lombardi where it's just muscle memory. And it's, you know, yeah. and in Justin's defense, we're talking about, you know, the third offensive coordinator play caller in four years. So it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to break that muscle memory and those habits and those rules and everything that you've been conditioned to do for two years. And, hey, let's change it up, man. Let's hang on to it. Let's hang on to it. If we got it, if we got it, you know. And, and so that was just kind of my takeaway on that play. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I just I feel like I keep going back to 2020 yeah. and just thinking about how different it looked and just how different different the explosive plays looked how different the shot plays looked how athletic Herbert looked when he was just I'm trying to think the best way to to describe it and again I I have no idea if it's if it's correct if it's not but like I just feel like man that rookie here Herbert was just out there like his hair was on fire man and he's just like whatever let's freaking go and he's just cutting loose and now it feels like oh I I know the I've mastered this textbook I know all the answers I know what this play is supposed to do yeah and he's so smart that he's got all that information now and I almost feel like it's a little paralysis by analysis and we've lost a little bit of that just that nuance that feel for the position that that we saw that first year where it was hey I'm the most talented dude out here in the league watch this Watch what I'm about to do. I want to get some of that back. The There is nobody built like me. There is nobody with the arm I have. There is nobody with the athleticism I have. At six foot six, 240, I'm going to wreck you. And it's not, okay, I've got one, two, three, and then I'm going to come back to two, and let's – I want less of that, and I want a little bit more of the let's go. Yeah. Cut loose, let's go. Good luck stopping this. It's a great point. Let's take a quick break, and we'll dig into it a little bit more. All right, guys, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, the official sideline technology provider and laptop of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers that provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field. Check out the powerful Surface Pro 9, combining the power of a laptop with the flexibility of a tablet at Surface.com. Hey, Chargers fans, you want to eat? Uber Eats, now available for in-stadium pickup. Order all of your stadium favorites from your seat with the Uber Eats app. Just set your location to SoFi Stadium, select your favorites, and you'll receive a notification when your order is ready for pickup. There are many mouth-watering options in SoFi Stadium. Let the stadium rumble, not your stomach. 
Go Chargers. VIP ticket packages for the first ever Super Bowl in Las Vegas are now on sale. And only on location offers all-inclusive experiences worthy of the entertainment capital of the world. Ticket packages boast an array of offerings, such as premium seating to the game, epic pregame parties with headline talent, NFL legend appearances, premium drinks and fare, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. So, Money, I want to go back to this point because I think it's an excellent one. When I hear Patrick Mahomes talk, a lot of time he's saying, Travis is just running a route and I'm going to find him. And it's a lot of off script. And you see Mahomes on the move and just using his God-given talent to just make amazing throws and amazing decisions. Um, the rookie season, now, this is his fourth year. Obviously, he's more comfortable in the NFL. But you mentioned having this Joe Lombardi offense the last two years. And if we, if you know Justin Herbert, you know how maniacal he is about studying and getting things correct. Uh, what's the percentage of the Joe Lombardi kind of offense that's still in this Kellen Moore offense and what Kellen Moore wants to do. Because again, they only have seven games together, right? It takes a while to yeah. learn somebody. And I think that's one of the more kind of underrated, I think, storylines to start this year is that, yes, we all were expecting bombs away with Kellen Moore and um, obviously having healthy personnel uh, to this point. Yeah. Um, both have not really been the case. Do you think it's more a product of, hey, we need more time on task and Justin needs to get more comfortable with what Kellen wants to do as opposed to maybe kind of using what he's done the last couple of years? I think it's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know how much of it Kellen kept because, you know, Justin said that he's comfortable um, with it. I think I, I like that you – because you know what? I, I, I love that you brought up Mahomes and Kelsey because I think that's what we saw yeah. against Minnesota with Justin and Keenan. It's like, yeah. hey, we know each other. We know exactly we are on the same wavelength. We're sharing the same football brain. These guys want to blitz us 80% of the time. We're going to roast you. And I think you saw that. And that's what Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey saw against the Chargers. Oh, you're going to play you know, a matchup zone or you're going to try to hand me off from a corner to a safety or a linebacker, or you're going to give me a free release, oh, watch what we're going to do to you. And I think we saw that against Minnesota. And that's how Keenan has that, you know, that record-setting day. So we know that, that those two have that special connection. I also think, and, and I love that you brought this up, that when you, when you see Mahomes you know, at the lectern and when you hear the way he talks about the game and the way that, he describes there's I'm trying to think of the right I don't know if the right word is visceral but there's just there's this natural feeling to it like hey I'm I'm feeling the game I'm yeah. I'm out there and and the game is speaking to me and and I'm speaking to it this maybe this will work as a metaphor I think that they're Justin and, and Patrick are walking into they're walking down a university hallway for finals and Justin is taking a left into a classroom with a scientific calculator and a slide rule and Patrick Mahomes is taking a right with a blue composition book and 
that's what it looks like to me is that there is this creation versus execution. And I think that's, I think that's kind of what you're speaking to. Yeah. Like there's, and I think that's, look, Patrick Mahomes has been with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey for seven years now, right? Or six years now. Exactly. And so like, that's, that's the relationship and that's sort of the relationship you not only have with each other, but with the offense. And, and so Justin, this is his first year with Kellen Moore, you know, and, and I think that's why, you, you know, outside, look, outside of Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes has nothing going on with those receivers. He has really struggled. He, and, and outside of Keenan Allen, since Mike Williams went down, Justin's got nothing going with anybody else. So it's like, there is that parallel. I think it's, yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta point out that yeah, that's the case with Mahomes and, and Kelsey. This offense has not been explosive. You know, it, it had been it had averaged twenty one points per game outside of the forty one they put up against the Bears in its other five games. So other four games. So I think it's important to remember that as as well. But yeah, I think I feel like that's kind of what what we're getting at, right? Yeah. It's like just a little more natural like yeah you know, the and I think this works for both sides of the ball, right? Like I remember when Chip Kelly showed up at Oregon and everybody was like, why, why are we all doing this, man? Like what, th th this is changing football, like the tempo, the speed, the run game, and then these explosive passes off of it. They're, they're losing the time of possession, you know, contest by 25 minutes and yet they're scoring 70 points. What's going on? And why isn't USC doing this? And, and I think, you know, the point that was brought up was in, in Chip said it, he's like, well, I don't have those players. You know, I, I don't, I don't have the five stars from Southern California. I'm yeah. at, or this is before Oregon became the powerhouse, right? He's like, I'm in Oregon. I got two stars and three stars and I'm convincing guys to, to move from Southern California to a place where it rains 300 days a year. He's like, so yeah, we got to have the system like on defense and on offense Chargers got dogs. Like on yeah. that defense, cut the dogs loose. Like, don't worry about having the perfect scheme and the, the perfect play. And it's like, you got Keenan Allen and you got Justin Herbert and you got Austin Eckler and you got, you know, just let's get a little bit, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But, like, to me, it's like, let's be more, let's be more Alabama and let's be less Oregon. Like, let's, let's say we got the best players. You know, we're going to go out there and play football and you're not going to be able to keep up with us because we're just better. We're just better. And so I'd like to see a little bit more of that, if it makes sense. I'm going to throw this ball to Austin Eckler on a smoke route, and I know your linebacker standing right there, but guess what? He's going to miss. He's going to make And the, then yeah. the safety's going to try to tackle him. Play. He's going to truck him, and it's going to be a 12-yard game. Like, I want to see more of that. Yeah. Going back to Austin, like, why do you think we're not seeing the dump-offs to Austin Eckler? Why, why do you think we're They're not there. seeing – You know, because we go back to his resume. You know, before the season started, 38 total touchdowns. Over two years, uh, he was a touchdown machine. He was a reception machine. And we were expecting maybe those, those touches or those receptions to maybe go down a little bit because we expected Justin to be a little bit more vertical. But right now, like, it, it looks like they're not even attempting them. And uh, I, I just I, – I, that has to change against the Chicago Bears. And, you know, I know that there's no Corey Lindsay, but the running game outside of Joshua Kelly was just uh, – you know, after that run, right. there has to be a consistent running game. And, you, you know, some people could say, oh, well, you know, running game doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter because time of possession, your, your defense doesn't have to be on the field all game. And to be balanced 
is a good thing. So I'd like to see the Chargers get some sort of running game going because, Money, I feel like every single year we talk about ah, who's the compliment to Austin, right? And sometimes right. it's Joshua, sometimes it's not. And now we're seeing Austin, you know, put up 2.8 or 3.1 yards of pop since his return. And I, I just, I, there needs to be a consistent presence there, man. And I, I don't know when we're going to see it. I, I hope we see it on Sunday night. So here I'm, I'm just pulling up the, the second half against the Chiefs, right? And, and this, you know, you bring up the running game. So on the, the drive after the fumble that, you know, the Chiefs opened up with, they get the ball, they get it all the way down to the, the Kansas City nine, right? First and 10, Austin Eckler, five yards. Uh, first and 10, you get a Justin Herbert pass to Keenan Allen, 19 yards. Next first and 10, Austin Eckler, three yards. First and goal, Austin Eckler, one yard. What stands out there to you? First and 10, Keenan Allen, 19 yards. Got to start throwing the ball on first yeah, down. Throw on first down. You know, and it's just like next possession, Austin Eckler, five yards. You know, then they ran Eckler. This was the one where they had the three and out with three straight run plays. So next possession, you know, first and 10, incomplete pass. And then you had a penalty and it was a, a just unraveled from there. But like, I think, and, and I think Keen, I think that Kellen is trying to do that, right? He's trying to mix it up. But what I think you have to do is let's try to find those, those defense-beating plays on first down. I think that's what they really need to find in the passing game. Those quick slants to, to, to Quentin. You know, the, we know how, how badly Keenan can, can break guys up you know, can break guys down and bust them up on routes. Like, let's get some of those. Let's just mix those in, again, to get that defense on its heels. Um, so, like, that that to me is the way to try to open up the running game is let's let's make sure we're not running on on first down, you know, as as much as and, – and, look, I don't have the breakdowns. I may not have it right. You know, I, I took a small sample size there, but it did feel like they were running a lot on on first down and I'd love to yeah I'm looking at here's the here's the field goal drive their first score of the game uh Kelly up the middle for two on a first down Davis left end no gain uh there's our okay so here you go first and 10 Herbert deep pass left to Keenan Allen for 26 yards it's like let's let's you know let's get a little more of that going you know and I think that's how you open up the run game Chris is because they're not going to honor play action they're they're playing Look, they're they're not afraid of of passes downfield. They're just not, so they're not going to commit resources there. So they're going to play with heavy boxes, and you're running into heavy boxes, and it's not easy. And we saw that last year, right? Just because the explosive plays weren't there, and now it's tough to push the ball downfield with Mike Williams gone, and that's what's changed yeah. a lot, right? With him down, so you've got to try to find you've got to try to find those plays. I thought Joshua Palmer played great. Uh, his his sure injury did. status right now, keep an eye on that. Uh, Gerald Everett, keep an eye on that because that's going to definitely dictate what they do and what the game plan could be on Sunday right. night. You, you flip it to the Chicago offense, and you know we, men we mentioned Bajit, but they found something in this running game. It, it, it's yeah. amazing to me that Deontay Foreman, it took him this long to actually get Foreman involved based on what he did in Carolina last year. 120 yeah. total yards, three total touchdowns. Uh, against uh, uh, the Raiders last week, and that was a beatdown, man. I mean, thirty to twelve, uh, a Raiders team coming off a couple of wins too, going to Chicago, getting beat by a rookie quarterback, and 
just getting abused by the running game. Deontay Foreman, 5.6 a pop. You mentioned DJ Moore. DJ Moore had 230 yards against the Commanders a few Thursdays ago, and he stepped. they said he stepped out of bounds on another one that was going to be a touchdown. So just do yeah. the math on, on the night that DJ Moore had and what he could have had uh, against the Commanders. Those are the two weapons that have to be slowed and stopped. Uh, uh, Foreman... And you mentioned DJ Moore earlier, but Deontay Foreman is another another guy that that's kind of emerging for Chicago these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I, I want to say outside of Christian McCaffrey with San Francisco, nobody had more rushing yards from the time of that trade. Foreman had the second most to McCaffrey. That's how effective he was for Steve Wilkes yeah. in Carolina. And this was the first time he really got a crack at it, you know, with with the injuries to, to Khalil Herbert and, and everything that 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 uh, Chicago's been going through. They ran the ball they ran the ball well last year. They're all their O-line does not pass block well, but they run block pretty darn well. So the one thing that's interesting about this year, right, is for the, since Brandon Staley showed up and saw this is the worst run defense in the in the league. Run defense pretty good now. You they know, the, the run defense specifically because of Thule, you know, because you have Khalil Mack on one edge and Thule has said, I'm just learning at the altar of Khalil Mack. So you've got all of that power at, at the other edge, and I, I think you've seen how much more effective they've been uh, against the run. So that that's look, they've got us. They they don't want Tyson Bajant throwing the ball thirty times in this game. They want him throwing it, you know, seventeen to twenty one times, and you know, for first downs on third and three and third and fours. So that's what they're. That I would assume that's what what Coach Eberflus wants to do. Um, so you got to slow down Foreman for sure. I mean, he's like you said. He's got a couple touchdowns last week. Um, not having Justin Fields and that threat to run when things break down is such a huge advantage for the Chargers. Like to have someone that's not quite capable of that type of running and that type of athleticism um, is a big win for them. So th- the thing about the Raiders, defense is not good. Mm-mm. You know, and that's why the Chargers put up 24 in the first half. They should have put up 40 points in that game. And for whatever reason, their offense just shut down. So we know, yeah, the, the Chargers are capable of, of putting that up. The Miami defense is not good, and they put up over 30 points. The Vikings defense is not good, and they put up over 30 points. So we know they've been able to get after defenses that aren't great. Cowboys defense is great. The, the Chiefs defense, it's pretty damn good. It's it's pretty damn good to great this season. It has been. So this Bears defense is okay. It's okay. So and let's not forget they had Brian Hoyer starting at quarterback. Uh it was really thirty to six. That last touchdown was a was a throwaway, you know, down thirty six with no time left. Aiden O'Connell gets put into the game and, you know, he's just dinking and dunking down the field because they're playing, you know, soft coverage in, in that moment. But just I want to bring this up for yeah because you know what family trust respect right yeah brian hoyer has not won a start i was just gonna say in his he's always his last yeah <laughs> he has not won a start what are they doing like like listen this isn't a raiders podcast why, why aren't you starting aiden o'connell in that game exactly you may win that it's game like the guy the guy has not won a start in like three years four years five years six years whatever it is and you're starting him what do you expect to get out of that? <laughs> so, like, that's, you know, that's something to take into consideration. You know, do I think the Bears are a threat? Yes. Uh, do I think they're a, a severe threat? No. The Chargers better win this game. They better win this game, yes. and I'd like to see them win it in 
uh, decisive fashion. So, you know, they can get some rest. They'll have that extra day. It's, it's funny, right? We're going to play three primetime games in four weeks, two Monday nighters and a Sunday nighter. It's like, let's, let's remind the country how special Herbert is on, uh, in primetime and how much fun and why this team got six primetime games in the first place as, you know, we're now going to get our second and third of the six after this. Remember, we still have a Sunday night against the, the Ravens, a Saturday night against the Bills, and a Thursday night against the Raiders on top of the Monday nighter a week from, you know, in, in week nine against the Jets. So it's a perfect opportunity for them to, to remind everyone, yeah, there's a reason why. There's, there's a reason why the Chargers are in prime time, and, and this is a perfect game to do that. Couple things before we get out of here. I, I want you to find Tyson Bajan's father and arm wrestle him <laughs> in in the radio yeah. pregame, and we tape it. I, that's what I'd, I'd like to see if Justin, producer Justin, can make that happen. Um, yeah, get him it, in the booth. It would look like um, it would look like uh, what's the name of the the super Hellboy? His arm <laughs> compared to mine would be like the red arm of Hellboy, and he'd just rip it off and beat me over the head with it. Uh, Although I'll say this. Over-the-top, wildly underrated cable classic film with Stallone uh, centered around professional arm res- wrestling as he's uh, seeking to win a tractor, tr- uh, a semi-rig in the arm wrestling championships in Las Vegas while also uh, getting back custody of his son from his evil father-in-law, uh, who I believe is Robert Loja. So there we go. There's a little uh, arm wrestling fun for you. Chargers fans, watch that movie before uh, before it's Sunday great. night. You know, it really is great. It really is <laughs> as as good of a you know terrible in the theaters. But you know what? Eh, it's cable. It's yeah. three o'clock. I just get home from school. I'm gonna I'm gonna clock in here and and get a cool eh, probably eighty three minutes is maybe what that movie was. You know, Flick it a couple on. montages, like five or six montages in there. It's, uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's peak sly. It is, it is peak sly. Final thing, Chargers 2-4. and four. You mentioned this before the Cowboys game. And you say, listen, we had two Super Bowl contending teams up in the Cowboys and the Chiefs. If you drop to 2-4, and four, again, it's not ideal. It's far from ideal in terms of winning the AFC West. But you said you and DJ were talking about the schedule down the stretch. Bears, then Jets, then home for the Lions, Packers, and then a huge showdown with the Ravens on, on Sunday Night right. Football. So we're, we're going to give fans a glimmer of hope right now. If you can get these next two and get to four and four, right? confidence going into a game against the Lions, a big game against the Lions, um, going to Lambeau against a, a struggling Packers team. And then right now the Ravens are playing fantastic. They look good. And yeah, they they're really good. Uh, in the conversation for one of the best teams in the AFC. So – what a showdown that's going to be. But you know what? For for as poorly as the season has started, there's hope. But you have to win Sunday to get yeah. to Monday night. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. It's a good stretch. We thought, I think, I think realistically, if you were being realistic, you were like, okay, four and two would be great. I can see three and three. You know, I can see the path for three and three here if things don't if things go bad. Three and three is what we're looking at. You know, it's the loss to Tennessee that has got this sour taste in our mouth. If this team is three and three and you're like, all right, you lose, you know, this shootout with Miami, you, you know, 
you lose uh, a street fight with the the Cowboys. You had to go to Kansas City. They're on a mini buy. You're on a short week. All right, we're three and three. So that's I think important to keep in perspective. Is it's really one game to me. I I would have been able. I could envision a three and three path, and it's like okay, you're three and three. Now let's flip that switch. Now you got Bears, Jets, Lions, Packers, Ravens. After the Ravens is Patriots. I think in New England, it's like. This is where you got to flip that switch and go. And, and this is how you get to, to nine, ten wins and try to punch your ticket. It's this part of the season right here. Because I think the Broncos are in this stretch. The, the Raiders are in this stretch, you know, over the next eight games before we get, you know, to the final three. So that to me is it's important for, for them to start this thing off and not just with a win, but with a convinced plan, complimentary Excellent football in all three phases is, is I think, important to come out of this game. You need your first convincing win of the year. So I think let fans breathe a little bit and be like, okay, good. You know, this is what the team should look like, you know, in prime time against a a struggling Bears team. Chargers are favorites in their next four games right now as we sit here. So – it's an opportunity to gain some hay and just kind of see what happens. You know, we, we've seen, you know, everybody kind of wrote the Vikings off. Guess what? The Vikings are a yeah. game back in the playoffs in the NFC they're, right yeah. now after beating the Niners. They're the eighth seed. They're exactly. The eighth seed, you know, and, and they, they could beat the Chargers and they'd be in the playoffs right now. So right. Uh, we tend to say must win. I, I do think that last Sunday, Monday, was must a must, it was a must win for the AFC West. I think the AFC West is going to be very difficult to win, to win yeah. right now. Um, but as far as the AFC, everybody's kind of jumbled up. And uh, it all a takes win. a few weeks to get hot. So, this, All right, that's going to do it for win. us. Uh, always appreciate you guys listening, watching on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, for Money, I'm Chris. We'll see you next week. Ooh.